Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. What's going on, Team Revo? My name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you so much for crashing the party this morning and uh, being here. I know you could have been any place uh, this morning, but the fact that you chose to come and be with us really means a lot to us. Um, If you're a first-time guest, you're for sure a VIP for us. We've got something for you in the back, just a a small token of appreciation, Uh, just a little something for a first-time guest. Make sure you know we love the fact that you're here. Also on the online campus, so good that you're hanging out today. Uh, There are some people in here that took the Gimme Five Challenge on Easter, and uh, it was five weeks. We ask people, just give it five weeks. Let's see what God does in your life, through your life, in your family, in your marriage over these five weeks and like just give it a shot. And so some of you, this is the end of the five weeks. And so, uh, man, we want to thank you for taking that. We believe that that five weeks is a next step. Like that's a spiritual decision that you made um, to, to give God another try, to give church another try, like to give the Bible another try. Now, there are some people, I will tell you, Revo is not for everyone, okay, for a lot of different reasons. Maybe you don't live around here, and so it's a, a long drive for you. Uh, maybe you're looking for maybe a different style of music or worship or, or just you're looking for something different in a church. I get that 100%. So here's what we have done. Uh, if this is your last Sunday of the Gimme Five Challenge, we're not going to egg your car. Like we're not going to slash your tires on the way out. Uh, we're not going to say ugly things about you. Here's what I want to do: you to do. Some of you may be thinking, of course, this guy wants us to give it five weeks because uh, pastors and churches they only want my money. Or uh, can he knows if you join, then you'll give money. Or if you join, then you'll serve. Here's my deal: we believe in the local church so much. We believe that God wants to do something in you and through you so much. I care about that so much that I want you to do it even if it's not here. So if over the past few weeks you've realized Revo is not my home, this dude it would not be a good pastor, like what is up with this place? If that's you, then on the way out the door we have these red cards. Uh, and it's, it's just simply titled, you have a place here. On this list uh, is nine other churches in our area that we love. Uh, pastors that we have relationships with. These people love Jesus. Uh, They preach the Bible. Um, These are places that if you don't have a home here, then I want to challenge you. Pick one of these cards up on the way out. I'm telling you, I believe in it so much. I want you to grow and experience life change through Jesus, even if it's at a different church. Like Even if I never see you again, I want something for you, not something from you. And so grab one of these on the way out. Maybe you've got a friend that isn't involved in a local church. You've invited them here a hundred times. They haven't said yes yet. Grab a card for them. Give it to them. Say, just, go, just try one of them. And if the gimme five didn't work here, then do a gimme five at one of these. Like give them, give them five chances. Like, God, is this the place for me? Uh, can I connect with these people? Can I get behind the vision? We, seriously, we just want something from you. Uh, that's our, no, we don't. We want something for you. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, 
right? And so if you're watching online, man, go, to, go find a church, Google a church that loves Jesus, preaches the Bible, and is gonna help you take your next step in your relationship with him. Uh, so man, proud of you guys for taking that next step. Proud of you, praying for you as you continue in your relationship with Jesus. Uh, I saw a hilarious video uh, this week. Uh, you may have seen it before, um, but there's a late night talk show host, Jimmy Kimmel, that does this segment uh, after Halloween. He started it like five years ago and he challenged parents. He said, here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to wake your kids up on November 1st and I want you to video it with your phone. And when they get up and come downstairs, I want you to tell them that you ate all of their Halloween candy overnight. And I want you to film their reaction for it. And the first year they did this, they got thousands of parents sent in videos. He said they've done it every year. You can spend hours on YouTube looking at this like a train wreck. You don't want to watch it, but you cannot stop looking at these videos. I picked out two of my favorite ones. I got to show you this. Check this out. What happens? Last night, we ate every bit of your Halloween candy. It's all gone. encourage you to try that on your children one day. Please video it and tag me on social media. Like I've spent, like this was a dark hole this week, me trying to figure out the best ones. Man, I watched so many of these. So, so funny is like you could tell it on those kids' faces. They are angry. They're frustrated. They have been betrayed by their parents. Like I can't believe you would have done this. And, and this is their mom. This is their dad. Like this is someone that they trusted. Like I can't believe in the middle of the night you would eat that because like Halloween candy is like a kid's first paycheck, right? This is the first time they've ever had the opportunity to earn something, right? And they earned it and then like there was a parent tax in the middle of the night that happened and they were just getting them ready for the real world. And uh, so try it sometime and, and really, really funny. But where it relates to us today is, is this, when I see the disappointment on those kids' faces, it reminds me of this question. Have you ever been disappointed with God? Have you ever looked at God and say, God, I, I, thought, I thought you loved me. I, can you believe that, that this is happening to me? God, why? why? Maybe you were praying a prayer and, and it feels like God hasn't answered. And you look up and you say, God, what is going on? Why would you allow this to happen? Or, or maybe you prayed a prayer and God answered it and it was the opposite of what you wanted. Like literally the opposite, quite the answer to the question that you have. And, and, and you experience the full range of emotions that these kids did. You're mad, you're sad, you're confused, you're, you're frustrated. You feel like God has betrayed you, that he's turned your back on you. And then like when it all seeps in, there's this overwhelming sense of disappointment. Ever been disappointed with God? 
Have you ever prayed a prayer? And, and, and so I'm not talking about silly prayers like, God, help me win the lottery, or God, when I wake up, hopefully there's a pool in my backyard, or like I want a brand new boat or something. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about like real, selfless, heartfelt prayers. Like, God, I, I've got a, a family member that is sick. And God, I know that you can heal them. Would you step in and heal it? I am believing. I have faith that you're going to do it. Maybe you're a, a, a lady in here that has a desire one day to be a mom. And you've been trying for a long time. And you've been praying like, God, bless me with a child. I read stories in scripture where you did that. I know that you are the God of miracles. I know that you are the one that gives life. Like, God, you know my family and I would love to have a little baby. Would you bless me with one? Would you make that happen? Could you, could you do that? I know people that have been out of a job for a long time over this past season. And they're, they're hustling. They're putting out applications. And, and they're just asking God to open up a door. But, but here we are. And there's still no job. And they're believing that God is a, a God that provides and that blesses and that opens doors. But come on, God, what's the deal, man? I'm still, still looking. I don't, I don't know where you are. And all of these emotions come into play and we find ourselves beyond frustrated and, and frankly disappointed. Disappointed in what God has allowed in our life and in the world, maybe disappointed at, at what God has not done. We feel like he should have stepped up. He should have delivered. He should have opened up a door. He should have made a way. Like we were doing all we were supposed to be doing. God, where, where are you? So what do you do when you find yourself in the midst of disappointment? What do you do when you've prayed and you prayed and you prayed and God has not answered the prayer in the way that you'd like. That's the question that we're going to do to close down this Frequently Asked Questions series. I hope this series has been helpful for you. It's been helpful for me to wrestle with some of the characteristics of God and my response to God. But we're going to close it down like this. What happens when, when people pray selfless, earnest, heartfelt prayers for other people, for the good of the world, for evil to go away, for wrongs to be made right, for hope to be given for the hopeless? For God to do something that only God can do, and you pray over and over and over again, and yet here we are, no answer. Here we are, no door has been opened. No progress has been made. We're going to look at a story in John chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, this story is actually the same story that we had to kick off the Frequently Asked Questions series. So we're going to look at this story, hopefully with some new perspective, because this story is a story of disappointment. These are people, a, a young, small family that is completely disappointed with God. And I don't know if I can speak into your situation today, but Mary and Martha were their names. This is the story of Mary, Martha, and Jesus. And, and here's the reality of the story. They needed Jesus' help. Mary and Martha, these two sisters, their brother Lazarus was extremely sick, getting ready to die, and they had a selfless request. Jesus, come and help him. Jesus, heal our brother. Jesus, make a way. Now, I don't know if you've ever prayed prayers like that and waited and asked God for selfless things for the benefit of others, but these two sisters know exactly where you are if that's where you find yourself in this season. Here's how the chapter opens up. Now, now there was a man named Lazarus, and he was sick. He was from Bethany, 
the village of Mary and his sister Martha. Now this Mary, this is the person whom, whose brother Lazarus was now sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Mary is, there's another story of Mary in scripture earlier. It talks about how much she loved Jesus and how much she sacrificed and gave to Jesus. So the sister sent word to Jesus and said this, Lord, the one you love is sick. These two sisters were confident that Jesus could do something about it. God, I am confident when I pray to you, I know you hear me. I know you can answer. I know you can make a way. Like, I know this is who you are, God. And so that's why I'm calling out. This is what Mary and Martha did. Two grieving sisters. The only thing they wanted was for their brother to live. On top of that, this, these were people that were really close to Jesus, right? This is not just some random family that Jesus never heard of that get, just gets a letter in the mail. Uh, Scripture tells us that outside of the 12 disciples, this family of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, this brother and sister team right here, was the closest people that Jesus had a relationship with on earth. Mary and Martha often gave financially to the ministry of Jesus and his disciples. So like literally they are paying Jesus' bills so that he can do what God has called him to do. They're partnering with him. They followed him and supported him for a really long time. They're some of his biggest fans. And so you would think at this moment, I mean, think about it in your life, someone that has always loved you, always supported you, sacrificially gave for you, been some of your biggest fans, like if they needed you, wouldn't you help them? Like even if you were busy, even if you didn't want to, like there are certain people in our lives where if they text, if they call, if they need something, you drop everything to go and help these people. They've done so much for you and they mean so much for you. This was that family for Jesus. And so in verse 3, we get some bad news. Lazarus is very, very sick. Jesus, doctors don't know. We don't know what's going on. We need your help. And so, of course, you, you assume, right, this is, Jesus had no reason not to help them. In fact, he had every reason in the world to show up and to do something. And here's what verse 4 reads. Now, now, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Sounds weird, doesn't it? Jesus gets this bad news. This family that you love, they need you. They need exactly what you have, Jesus, and you can help. You can snap your fingers, you can say a word, you can send a messenger, you can teleport. Like, I don't know what you can do, Jesus. You can walk on water. Like, you can turn one catfish po' boy and feed 5,000 people with it. Like, Jesus, just figure it out, man. Like, you don't even have to go. You can just blink your eyes and think it, and this can change. Jesus, you can do it. So we're just going to trust, and we're going to pray, and we're going to ask you. And then it says, for two days, he did nothing didn't send a messenger, didn't reassure them, didn't say, all right, so listen, like, I got this. I'm gonna handle it. I'll be there in two days. So don't fret, don't worry, don't panic. He did not give them a timeline to when he would answer their prayers. And then eventually, two days later, he finally looks at his boys and says, hey, we should probably go and check on Lazarus. <laughs> Let's go check on Mary and Martha, verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Too little, too late, Jesus. Guy's already dead. Yeah, we've already had the funeral. He's already buried. Like everybody's gone home. Everything's over. 
You ever felt like that with God? We were like, God, it's too little too late. You should have done something a while back. You should have asked me and answered me when I called out to you in the first place. I had the plan. I had the perfect timeline. All you had to do was show up. And Jesus here supposedly shows up a little too late. Verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Martha, the older sister, said this, Look, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. I've prayed that prayer before. God, you could have done something. God, you could have prevented this. God, you could have said yes. God, you could have made a way. God, you could have provided a miracle, but you didn't. But I love Martha's attitude. She understood she's wrestling with disappointment from God, but is also open like, God, I I know you can do something else. I know it's not too late. I know you can step in and intervene to you. I called out to you, God, and you did not answer. In fact, the exact opposite thing happened. My brother Lazarus is dead. Jesus talks to, to Mary and then to Martha. She goes and gets her sister. Verse 28, after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I'm not sure if you've ever been at a point in your life, in your prayers, in your marriage, with your kids, with your family, with your job, with your finances, just with your life where you look up at God and said, you could have done something, but you didn't. All of this could have been different, but you chose not to show up. You chose not to make a way. You chose not to intervene. God, where were you? Where are you? in the midst of this? Do you even see what's going on in my life? Do you even see how we're suffering? You can tell that had been a question that Mary had wrestled with because scripture says, as soon as she saw Jesus, that was the first thing that came out of her mouth. I've been wanting to tell you this for the last few days, Jesus, and here's my chance. Where were you? Why didn't you hear our cries for help? Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, And the Jews who had come along her were also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? Where have you buried Lazarus? He said, come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how much he loved him. But some of them said, this is a frustrating question. Some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from from dying? That's a good question. Reason why that's a good question is a harsh question because the answer is yes. Jesus could have done something. Jesus could have made a way. Jesus could have snapped his fingers and changed this man's life. Jesus could at the very least had sent a messenger and said, here's how the rest of the story is gonna go. I'm gonna make a way, just chill and trust me, okay? Like just have faith. He didn't do any of that. And it made people onlookers look at him and scratch their head and say, wait a minute, isn't God supposed to do stuff like that for us? Shouldn't he answer prayers that are selfless? Why in the world, if he had the power to heal somebody, why wouldn't he? Makes absolutely no sense to me. Why did Jesus delay? Why did Jesus allow it to happen? 
Jesus, you could have made my situation better. You could have helped me get pregnant. You could have given me a job. You could help me find a spouse. You could straighten my kids out. You could let me trade these children in and get two more of a newer model that weren't so busted. Like, God, you can make a way. You could have made it better. Did you not see me? Did you not know that I was struggling? Did you not know that I'm frustrated? God, I am completely disappointed in you right now. How dare you respond in the way that you have? What happens to you when you pray and God doesn't give the answer that you want? What happens when your relationship with God meets a point where you are absolutely disappointed and disillusioned with him because it doesn't seem like he's listening and he's not doing what you're asking him to do, even when it's selfless, even when it's sacrificial, even when it's for the benefit of of someone else. What do you do in that moment? I want to share with you three things that we read in this story, three little small details. If you have the app, all the notes you can follow in, fill in the blank for all you type A personalities. Um, Three things that you can take notes in and understand. When we face disappointment, what do we do? What do we have to remember? When we pray a prayer and God doesn't give us when we want and what we want, how should you respond? What needs to come to your mind? I'll give you a heads up. This is not a magic pill. This is not like if you do these three three things, it unlocks the secret to God giving you whatever you want and doing whatever you want. That's, That's religion, right? That's not a relationship with God. You don't want that. You don't want what you deserve. Trust me on that. Like So these are things that we have to remind ourselves in the midst that John shows us. So here's three things. The first is this. Jot this down. When we are faced with disappointment in life, when we are faced with seasons of unanswered prayers, even to the most selfless requests that we bring to God, the first thing we got to remember is this, God loves you. Because that's a tendency, isn't it? When God doesn't give us what we want, when God doesn't answer us, when God seems distant, when God seems silent, it pops into our mind. Maybe God doesn't love us. Maybe God doesn't care. Maybe God, if you're a parent in the room, like, has your kid ever asked you for something and you said no, and then they flip it around on you? It's like, you don't love me. Nobody loves me. It's like, well, go be unloved in your room. I don't have time for that crying right now. I don't say that. You ever felt that way with God, though? Well, surely if you didn't give me what you want, then then that means you don't love me. John includes some details in here. Check out verse 3 again. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. These two sisters never doubted the fact that Jesus loved them. Jesus, this is the one that you love. Verse five, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. It was just common knowledge. Jesus loved these people. The, uh, verse 36, when, when Jesus finally shows up and he's crying, the people are looking on at Jesus and here's the remark they made. Then the Jews said, see how much he loved him? It was obvious, it's always been obvious how much God loves us, how much God loves you. John adds those details. Here's the reason why those little words are in there. It seems like if you read it too fast, you'll read it, 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 it's like, those are just words, they're just details that are often overlooked. But why did he put that three different times? Here's the reason. Because John wanted to remind you that God loves you even when your circumstances aren't screaming, God loves you. Because when you're praying and it doesn't seem like he's answering, that doesn't scream, God loves you. (laughs) When you call out to help and God seemingly stays away for another two days hanging with his boys, that doesn't say God loves you. 
When you are desperate and crying out to God, and yet you get the opposite of what you asked for. Those circumstances and situations don't scream out, God loves you. He really does. And so we have to remind ourselves of those things. Whenever we doubt, because we don't know the whole story, we have to remind ourselves, hey, this is the first thing I need to remember. God loves me. I know that God loves me. How do I know that? Look at the cross. For God so loved you that he sent his son Jesus into the world to die for your sins, to provide salvation for you. Anytime you doubt whether or not God loves you or cares for you, look to Jesus. Um, I remember when our little girls were born, we'd take them to the doctor. And, uh, you know, every few months when, when they're little, you have to get shots uh, at the doctors. And, and they hated that. And I felt terrible every time because I knew what was going to happen. Um, they come in there and the little girls, they're bouncing around and they're giggling and they're happy. And, and uh, they're exploring the doctor's office. And the whole time I'm like, it's getting ready to go south like in five seconds right now. Because this doctor walks in and that doctor is explaining to me, okay, so these babies are six months old. And um, so they have to have these two shots. We're going to put one in the leg. You know, when we squeeze, they're probably going to cry. When you squeeze the medicine in, it's going to hurt a little bit. And so like just a heads up, well, my daughter is six months old. She has no idea. She doesn't understand what the doctor's saying. And so she's giggly she's bouncing and I'm like oh it's gonna go bad right now you don't understand what he's saying so I put this little girl on my lap and this doctor pulls this needle out the baby doesn't know what the needle is so she doesn't even know it's like she's grabbing the needle she wants to bite it um puts this the doctor sticks the needle in the baby's leg and all of a sudden this little girl six months old screaming carrying on giggling she loses her mind the worst part of that is this right Inevitably happened, this little girl turned and looked at me with a look on her face that said, how could you? I trusted you, dad. Why did you let that person hurt me? You told me everything was gonna be okay. You were pretending like nothing was happening and all of a sudden I get this shot and there's this look of anger and sadness and hurt and betrayal all on our face. And sometimes that's what it feels like with God. We get, man, just hit out of the blue with something in our life. And we turn to God with this look of tears and frustration. And dad, how could you allow this to happen? Why would you allow me to get hurt? What is going, I trusted you and you betrayed my trust. Do you even love me? And the irony is, like, the only reason you get a shot as a baby is because you love that baby so much you don't want them to get sick. Or, like, it's, it's something for their good and for their benefit. But they don't know that. You can't sit there and sit the baby on the table and say, like, no, this is for your benefit, right? If you don't get this, sometime down the road, something bad could happen. They don't care. But that's sometimes how our approach with God can be. We have to remind ourselves, no matter what happens, that God loves us. God loves you. He doesn't need to prove it again. He's proven it time and time and time again. God loves you. We got to remind ourselves of that. Second thing we have to remind ourselves when we're facing this discontentment, this discouragement with God is this. God is with you. Number two, God is with you. God loves you. Number one, remind yourself of that during the tough times. And number two, God is, is with you. That's another feeling that we have when, when we pray and when we call out to God and there's no answer, we start to think that there's no one there. There's no one listening. Like if your kids are in the house and they yell your name and nobody answers back, they start to panic, right? Like, am I in the house by myself? Where are you? I thought you left me. I was scared there for a second. And when God doesn't answer our prayers, we can feel the same way. 
Where are you, God? Do you not care? Did you leave me here by myself? How could you? I thought you loved me. And there's these thoughts that run across my mind that we're isolated and we're alone and God doesn't care and you're by yourself. Good luck. Hope you can make it. Verse 33, it says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And at that moment, Jesus began to cry. I want to remind you that Jesus was not crying uh, because he was at the funeral of a dead man. Jesus wasn't crying because he missed Lazarus. Remember, Jesus was getting ready to raise this guy from the dead, right? He knows this isn't the end of the story. He knows Lazarus is going to live again. He's crying because he knows the emotions of the people around him. How incredible is that, that we worship a Savior that is empathetic to what we go towards? Everything you go through in your life, it's not like Jesus is standing back saying, wow, I wish I could relate. I have no idea what sadness feels like. I have no idea what it feels like to cry real tears. I don't know, like, sorry, good luck. In fact, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews tells us the exact opposite. When, when the author of Hebrews describes to us who Jesus is and how we can relate to Jesus, this is what it says. We don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Scripture tells us that when we're disappointed, when we're sad, when we feel isolated and alone, God knows exactly how you feel. And the presence of God can be with you in that moment. I'll go back to, to one of the things that happened in the doctor's office. When, when I would try to put my daughter down on the ground, whether it was like on the, on the little weigh scale or up on the table with the little paper on it so that they could measure the little girls and everything, here's what my girls would do. They would constantly just put their arms out to me like this. Like they wanted dad to hold them because if dad was holding them, then everything was okay. This happened to me a couple of Sundays ago. There was a, uh, uh, one of our volunteers brought their baby in after the service and I wanted to hold the little baby, cute little girl. So I walk up to her and I'm like clapping my hands together. I'm like, come over here to Uncle Bacon. Let Uncle Bacon hold you. Let me hold you. And uh, my niece and nephew call me Uncle Bacon. Long story, great nickname though. And uh, this little girl is like frowns bad and is getting ready to cry. Big tears fill up in her eyes. She turns around, runs to her mom with her hands up like this, like, Mom, save me from this stranger. Please help me. Please, please get me, Mom. Now look, as soon as her mom picked her up, she was completely fine. I could walk over to her. I gave her a high five, gave her a fist bump. I was laughing with her. As long as Mom was there, everything was okay. And that's what we have to remind ourselves when we face disappointment. We don't have to have all the right answers. The things that are disappointing us and the unanswered prayers, they don't have to go away. We just need to know that God is there in the midst of them. We need to be reminded, like, there's some times where we just come up to God and we're like, God, like, hold me. <laughs> Pick me up. Make the bad man go away. <laughs> like, God, just tell me that you're going to be with me. Tell me that you are going to be there and I can get through this. Promise me that I will not be alone. And I love how in this story, when everyone else is crying, Jesus doesn't look at them and say, stop that crying before I give you something to cry about. 
Jesus does say, you're totally overreacting, okay? I'm going to fix this. So pull yourself together because you guys are ugly criers. Like if you saw what you look like right now, I can't believe this. Like God doesn't talk down on us when we show emotions because of what we're going through in life. I love how Jesus sat down in the midst of them and he cried alongside of them. Scripture says, man, there is a, a time to weep, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, and a time to celebrate. And we have a Savior that knows exactly what we go through. The hardships, the disappointments, the pain, all of it. And because he is with you, he can relate even in the midst of that. Last thing is this. It's a good reminder as we look towards a future that is uncertain. Number three, God is always up to something good. Can you believe that with me today? That even though you can't explain it, even though that you don't know what the story is, you don't know how it's going to end, what if you had faith that based on what the Bible says, God is always up to something good. God has a plan for your life and God is going to see it through to fruition. Here's what this story says. Like at the beginning, they, they asked Jesus to come. Jesus, please come. Please, please come and heal Lazarus. This was Jesus' response in verse four. When he heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. Lazarus, I know he's not gonna be dead forever. Like, trust me on this. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. There's purpose. See, God knew there's purpose in it. There's a reason why I'm not immediately answering your prayer. There's a reason why there's gonna be a two-day delay. There's a reason why you're going through something right now. And God said, one day you're gonna see the purpose. I am doing something good. I am weaving all of the pieces together. And I'm gonna show you something. There's purpose in it. Verse 14, so then he told them plainly, like everybody was asking, what's the deal with Lazarus? What is he? Why are we not going to him? Jesus said, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. Now let us go to him. Man, it sounds like Jesus being a real jerk here. It's like Lazarus is dead. And can I be honest with you? I'm glad. I'm glad the dude died. He said, because... You're going to see something here that God had a purpose and a plan all along. And God is just setting the table in something that may look bleak right now, but he's setting the table to show off. He's setting the table to show you who he really is, that there was a purpose in it all along, that he was always up to something good. Here's how the story ends. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. This would be like Jesus walking up and saying, let's dig the coffin up and pop the lid on the coffin. And here's what Martha said. But Lord, the sister of the dead man, Martha, by this time there is a bad odor for he has been there for four days. If you look that verse up in the King James, it says, by this time he stinketh, Lord. (laughs) Love that, King Jimmy. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Did I not tell you that God is always up to something good? Did I not tell you that God has a plan and a purpose for your life? And that if you trust me, that you'll see it. Did I tell you that? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. God hears every one of our prayers. God, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but... 
for the benefit of these people around. These people might not have known that you always hear prayers. These people might have some unanswered prayers and they've convinced yourselves that you don't care and that you don't have a plan and that you don't hear. But for these people, I'm doing this that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. No doubt people would have been there amazed, awestruck. This dead man is now resurrected, coming out of the tomb. And I don't know how long they sat there, but then Jesus just said the obvious. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes. Like, are y'all gonna help the man out? <laughs> like he can't even see. Can you take the cloth off his face? All right. His fingers are wrapped up, man. He's not gonna be able to unwrap himself. Will you help the man out? Okay. <laughs> and they came on Lazarus and unwrapped him and the dead is, is now alive. Great end to the story. But I want you to see that it was still difficult for these two sisters. Did you know that Jesus never promised us a life without any difficulties or pain? In fact, he said the exact opposite. He said, in this world, you will have disappointment. You will have pain. You will have bad days. You will have frustrations. You will have days where you just want to hit the reset button. But then Jesus follows it up and says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I've overcome that sin. I've overcome that hardship. Here's what God says, uh, or Paul says in Romans 8. And we know that in all things, all things, the good things, the bad things, the confusing things, the answered prayers, the unanswered prayers, the tough days, the good days, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. See, this is what Jesus does. He's done it in my life. He's done it in many people's lives in here. He did it in Lazarus's life. Jesus takes your worst days and he has the power and the authority to turn your bad day into a highlight reel of your life. He took a day where Lazarus was dead and he raised him back to life. A day where there was no hope and he spoke life into the darkness. A day where it was complete death and betrayal and confusion and disappointment. And Jesus said, I'm gonna take that and rewrite the story. And people will remember and see what God did the whole time. I don't know who in this story you relate to the most. Maybe you're here and you're Mary. You relate to her. You're like, man, I've prayed and I am done with God. He did not answer. He did not deliver. He did not give me what I was asking for. I'm out. I'm done. And I hope today that just like Mary, your heart would be softened again to the point where you said, I, I know I'm struggling. I know there's pain. I know there's disappointment, but I'll call out again. I'll come to God again and believe the best. Maybe you're Martha where you're praying and you have that moment where you say, like, God, you could do it. You could. Why didn't you do it? But you still have the faith. On the back end, you're like, but I know and I still believe that you can make a way and you can change what I'm going through right now. I want to encourage you in your faith. Continue to pray. Continue to believe. Continue to remember that God loves you, that God has a plan, that he's always there with you. And let's keep pushing forward. But maybe some of you are most like Lazarus your life just feels like complete abandonment, complete death, no hope, no light, nothing to look forward to, nothing but pain and desperation and heartache. And my hope, my prayer, is that just like Lazarus today, you would hear the voice of God speaking your name and calling you out to experience new life in him to make the decision to follow Jesus, to surrender your heart and life to him.
and to see how he can take your dark, hopeless situation and work something good. I'm telling you, he is up to something good in and through you. Let's believe that. Let's continue to pray and face disappointment as men and women of prayer and faith, believing that God can do exceedingly more. Let me pray for you. God, disappointment is hard. God, every person in this room knows what it feels like to pray a prayer and and not get an answer or not hear anything or get the opposite answer. Uh, God, so in those moments, I hope this story would help us to recall how much you love us. That is never in question. And that God, you promised that you would never leave us or forsake us. We are not in this battle by ourselves. And finally, God, for us to walk into every day, no matter how dark, no matter how desperate, no matter what we're facing in life, believing in faith that God has a plan that he is working, that he can bring good out of anything. And he's doing that in my life as well. God, help us to remember that in the face of disappointment and uncertainty that we face every single day. Pray and ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Revo podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.